When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, Geekscapists. Welcome to a brand new Geekscape podcast. I'm Jonathan London, your host. And if this is your first Geekscape, well, strap yourselves in for some pop culture talk. This episode, we're going to be talking all about the first season of Marvel's She-Hulk Attorney at Law that just wrapped up late last week on disney plus uh, a lot of controversy about this one maybe not from the geekscapists who i think generally enjoyed the season uh but we're gonna have to talk about the ins and outs uh the comedy of it the rage inducing of it um i think the social commentary of it i think uh i loved she hulk i thought it was awesome i thought i got better every week but uh i know opinions vary and there's somebody on the show uh today to talk about the varied opinions, our very own Ian Kerner. Um, yeah, I just saw Ian on Friday because he was at <gasps> my wedding. Look at this. Look at this. I just got a brand new piece of... Um, look at that. That's a new piece of jewelry right there. My wedding band. Uh, <laughs> but that didn't stop me from giving you two Geekscapes last week during my wedding. Uh, go back and listen to those. Those were a whole lot of fun. Um, and also, it's not stopping me from giving you a brand new Geekscape tomorrow, but welcome to the She-Hulk special. We're not going to be talking too much about the wedding on this one. We will be talking um, about the, uh, the 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 She-Hulk. I just got a comment that says, She-Hulk is still on my watch list, just haven't had the time. Congrats on the wedding. I, I don't understand it. If I had time to uh, watch She-Hulk the week of my wedding and be right here to give you two geekscapes like i don't i don't get why you can't just watch the she-hulk and go no, i'm just kidding i'm kidding i'm very much kidding uh all right let's get to it let's uh start talking some she-hulk uh this is geekscape and uh right about now you can maybe sh- hit that share button and be like hey jonathan and Ian are gonna be talking ins and outs of, of uh of, of she-hulk you might want to come over here so uh take that little share button on whatever app or YouTube, or wherever you're watching this, and share it with your friends, and let's get a party started. All right, let's go. All right, Geekscapers, let's get down to the She-Hulk. But real quick, let, uh, uh, we just got some rankings in for the Geekscape podcast. Let me just read them to you because uh, I was checking them during the theme song. Uh, you are currently listening to, uh, let's see where we ranked. Um, there it is, right there. The 51st most popular film interview podcast in Poland. That's right. Um, and uh, the 55th most popular film interview podcast in the philippines so give yourselves a round of applause for uh for getting us up the charts there um the finn jones um episode specifically uh you know finn jones who played danny rand iron fist in the netflix series and hopefully he'll do it again in the mcu uh we're gonna be talking about his good friend charlie cox here in a little bit um his episode was this is crazy uh number that made it that that episode was the number 21st most downloaded film interview podcast in uh 
the Ukraine, like there's a war going on in the Ukraine and they're like, hey, let me just pause the war a little bit so I can listen to some Finn Jones and whether or not he's going to come back as Iron Fist in the MCU. So uh, we appreciate that. If you're listening from uh, Ukraine, uh, I hope you're safe. Hope you're good. And uh, I hope this brings you a little bit of, I don't know, respite from what you're going through there in your country. Uh, to our friends around the world, thank you for listening to Geekscape and uh, share us with your friends. Um, who knows what they're going through and maybe they could use a little bit of nerd talk in their lives. Uh, okay, that's enough of that. We love you very much. And uh, with love in the air, let's uh, throw it to my good friend Ian Kerner, who uh, I, I saw at my wedding and I, I loved seeing him. He was at the nerdiest table no, the nerdiest table is probably full of geekscapists, but he was at the second nerdiest table uh, with a couple great geeks uh, as well. Uh, again, I just want to remind you that this is the She-Hulk Attorney at Law special. If you have not finished watching the season, um, you're going to want to probably dip on this one because we're going to get right to the spoilers. Uh, like our good friend, friend Chris Robinson, he was listening to it and he was like, oh, got to go, got to go. Um Real quick, Von Bolden says, She-Hulk was a fun show and character. I especially love the relationship she had with, spoilers, I warned you, Daredevil. <laughs> All right, let's just get to it. Here's Ian Kerner. Ian, what's going on, man? How are hey, you? how are you doing? I'm doing good. I, How's I married I'm life? Covered. You, you know what? Married life is good. Uh, how, you know, how, are, how is your married life? It's pretty good. I saw y'all. Y'all seemed happy at the table with uh, our good friends Jason and Ashley Inman, Diallo Jackson, and someone who hasn't been on Geekscape but should, Jonathan Root, who's yeah. fantastic, and his wife Holly. Yeah. They're major geeks. Uh, yeah, it, it, it was a fun table. Actually, Jonathan performed at our Geekscape Live, so I think that entire table has had Geekscape regulars at it. Um, that was great. It was a lot of fun, and you guys were Awesome. Uh, Ava Star Star from Twitch says, I'm still waiting on those photos. Well, get on like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I've been putting up plenty of photos from this past weekend and I've been trying to like pace myself so I don't get totally annoyed. Uh, annoying. <laughs> annoying. You, you want to keep it at partially annoying. Yes. And it's hard for me. I know. If you've been listening to Geekscape or know me at any point, you know me keeping it to partially annoying is really hard for me to gauge. I don't know when I just... I sometimes just bust through to annoying. Um, let's talk She-Hulk, dude. Um, okay. I think coming off of the heels of things like Moon Knight, uh, Miss Marvel, we, we enjoyed those shows. We loved them. Uh, and they prepared us for a show with nine episodes that was probably going to be on par. Would you say that this show is on par with those? I, I love, you know, listen, we keep saying this as we keep reviewing these Marvel shows. I mean, I think they have done such a phenomenal job of um, really getting the spirit of the comic books. And I mean, I love how every single show is so different than the ones before. You know, we used to talk about this in the earlier days of the MCU with the movies that they were going for different genres. And, and, and I think we said this in one of the more recent specials that, they really, and, and not to jump ahead to talk about the finale, but they've really gotten sort of an homogenous feeling, you know, I feel like of late, the movies, you know, they all kind of feel like very much the same thing. It's definitely what the, you know, the attitude I get from my wife. She's like, okay, again, it's the same thing over and over again. She's tired, you know? And for me, like when people talk about Marvel fatigue, I'm like, yeah, but these shows, they're just so different. And as a regular and avid comic book reader, I love it because each one is different in the way that, you know, every comic is different than the other comics, you know? They're not all the same thing. They have very different feelings. You know, their identities are different. The characters are very different. Everything about them is different. You know, this one, they went and saying, yeah, this is a legal comedy. You know, I mean, what does that even mean? You know, I, from a television standpoint, you know, I point to things like Ally McBeal and it definitely has a, a bit of the whimsy of an Ally McBeal, right? Um, but it also very, very truly lived up to a few different versions of the Shield comic. Pretty much ever since the Burn one, there's been some element of She-Hulk and, and the breaking the fourth wall thing. Yeah, I, I believe She-Hulk did that the most, and it got more and more intense as the season went on. And yeah. She did it um, before Deadpool did. She did it long, a decade before Deadpool did it. Yeah, and it was it. it she got She-Hulk run started in '89, and Deadpool 
Well, Devin, when he first premiered, didn't initially do it. He didn't do that, I think, until, um, was it the Kelly run or the Nisiezza run? I think it might be the Kelly run that he started breaking the fourth wall. The Nisiezza run was a few years later. So, was yeah. it? Okay, so I, I honestly thought that, I mean, for, with matter. some of those advertisements of the Marvel comics, I thought that She-Hulk was doing it prior to 1989, some of the, comic, some of the fourth um, wall breaking stuff. Well, her... Solo series wasn't that around '89? I thought that's around when it started. When they started the She-Hulk, and I will talk about it, but Stan Lee started She-Hulk because CBS had the rights to the Hulk. Yeah, but she wasn't the doing the, the, it. It was a very the original series is the Savage She-Hulk original right, series. Right. She didn't wasn't have that tone. Stuff. It wasn't the breaking the fourth wall stuff. It was Wimbledon. But the series. character was created out of a fear that CBS was going to be able to trademark She-Hulk away yes. from Marvel. So. Stan was like, oh, I'm going to create this character, She-Hulk, so that CBS doesn't have a claim to it. Um, and that and was about, what was that, 79, 80, something like that? 79 and 80, yeah, because yeah. the show premiered in 77, 78. 78. Yeah. Um, and then 80, and we've had Kenny Johnson, the cult showrunner, on the episode before, and Kenny's got amazing stories. If you go back and find the Kenny Johnson episodes on Geekscape, he's got some amazing episodes about showrunning that first, Lou Ferrigno, um, a Bixby Hulk show, and I mean they're phenomenal, and uh, I love those stories. But this character came out of a concern for losing the rights legally, and became a lawyer, maybe as an extension of that, maybe as a commentary on the fact that yeah, the whole the whole character exists because of uh, trying to avoid some kind of a legal battle. So let's get to the episodes. When it starts off, you see her and Bruce as cousins on this. Uh, trip and obviously, like Mark Ruffalo is gonna have that Avenger star power with him. We're well, going to well, uh tie well, it in very quickly to the MCU. Let me say that I was reading an, an article with the showrunner Jessica Gao, um, from earlier this week. She was saying that they originally they were gonna do that in episode four, they were just gonna mm. jump right into She Hulk. She's She Hulk, right? Everyone's wondering what her origin is, and then finally she says, Okay, oh, you guys probably want to know, but I actually liked that. They sort of addressed that right away in the beginning. They started that way, and they said, "Oh, you guys want to know what happened?" You know? Yeah, there was a that very was short scene that was like, "Hey, I got to go to trial." Oh wait, look, you might be wondering what's going on. And the first two episodes kind of are her episodes with Bruce. What I liked about it, Ian, was that it almost becomes a joke throughout the uh, season. What are you clicking on? You think I can't hear your clicking? No, no multitasking allowed, Ian. Please. Look at him trying to be a Hulk and a lawyer at the same time. Listen, pal, you think I can't hear you clickety-clacking? The Geeks Gavis can hear you. They want your attention. They want you your dedication. I'm a clicker. I know you're a clicker. Um, so they, uh, they... Well, it's distracting me is what the problem is. So uh, I feel like the good thing about having the, the first two episodes is you get the start distractions right out of the way. I mean, so many people including ourselves, like we watch these Disney Plus shows, the MCU shows, being like, hey, how are they going to expand the universe? And it's really not fair to the the name character. It's not fair to uh, just, uh, Jennifer Walters, and they make fun of it throughout the season. Yeah. Hey, I know you're only watching this to see when Wong shows up, when Daredevil shows up, when any of these other teased characters show up, and having Bruce literally jettisoned after the second episode and going literally off-planet is a really smart move to say, hey, it's Jennifer's show. This is her show, and you should probably shouldn't distract yourself, uh, like Ian clicking away, uh, by waiting for other characters but, to show up. But you know what I really liked because you know you've seen this in other things. You've seen this, and like you know, honestly, like uh, one of the things that drives me crazy watching Superman and Lois is there's zero reference to Supergirl in a show that spun out of Supergirl. There's no reference. <laughs> That's a good they, they never yes. they don't say a word. Like and literally, I get it was COVID. They were gonna do a crossover, you know, and all that. They didn't, but reference it. And this, a lot of the time, you get the okay. You saw that he went off planet, and that would be it. You wouldn't mention it again. No, they keep mentioning him. They keep bringing it up. She keeps saying, "I keep trying to call him like a real person." Like yeah. she's still referencing. I can't get a hold of Bruce. I keep trying, and they keep throwing that in because because that feels real, right? Well. What I wanted to know actually was in this episode, you have Bruce and Jennifer, the, the blood gets into Jennifer um, and she gets the She-Hulk uh, gamma radiation that way because that Sakaran ship just randomly like shoots the road and they, they crash. 
What was the well, origin? Shoot the road, it came down and just got in the way, and they just swerved. Right. It wasn't attacking them. It was just was, meant to be a messenger. It, what was so, the so there's, the there's a joke that's actually the origin that Jen is working the DAs, and it's a full on, very of its time. She was, you know, the DA against the mobster, and they tried to kill her, and they shot her, and Bruce was there and gave her a, had to give her an emergency blood transfusion. Okay, so there's kind of a blood transfusion effect. Yeah, but but, 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 but did, did you notice that in one of the later episodes that was like a, one of the, um, oh, people not knowing, oh, there's a rumor that, you know, the mob shot you, and da, 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 you know, the whole thing. It's like, yeah, I didn't hear that. Not, yeah, yeah. It's that's a there. great Easter egg. Yeah. Um, so the Sakaran ship stuff, that if you haven't, I mean, if you don't recognize Sakaar because you didn't watch Ragnarok, like, what's the story there? So... You know, Ragnarok was a movie that came together out of the whole idea that, you know, Marvel originally had licensed the Hulk to Universal. So when they created the MCU, Universal distributed um, the, um, the the Hulk movie. Um, right. And they had done the, the Hulk movie before that as well. Um, so they still have the rights. So Marvel's not been able to do a standalone Hulk movie but they really wanted to do Planet Hulk. So they basically combined the Planet Hulk storyline. Everything about the gladiator stuff and all that stuff and being on that planet comes out of Planet Hulk. Um, it just had to be a Thor movie. Yeah, they made a Thor movie. And, you know, they brought in one of the elders of the universe, which is different. It's, but mostly they kept the same thing. It was all the warlord stuff, all the you know um, rebellion stuff, all that stuff comes out of Planet Hulk. And so if you know, and obviously we're going to about to call out what's coming, but Hulk's there for a while. He had been, you know, as opposed to being voluntary in the comics, he basically was banished. He was out, out in yeah. space and the, basically the Illuminati jettisoned him there. And they meant to send him somewhere safe, but he fell through a wormhole instead of ending up on the, on the safe planet, peaceful planet. He ended up on Sakaar. Um, and of course it's Hulk. So he ends up, forming a rebellion and overcoming everyone. And so it's Planet Hulk. And in the process, he actually, because this time Hulk was more or less, um, more or less got to, a, not, not quite Professor Hulk, but an integrated form of the Hulk. Okay, so it's not that Banner wasn't separate exactly. Um, but at that point, that form of the Hulk, um, you know, has his intellect. But so he has a full-on relationship there with someone called Kyra, Kyra the old strong, because she has like an ability to sort of almost become like stone. But, um, mm -hmm. and ultimately Sakaar gets destroyed and Hulk survives. And he thinks you know, she died and, you know, there's a kid, but, you know, and basically he thinks the kid that, you know, she was pregnant, but later he comes to find out the kid survived. And between being Hulk's son and everything else, when he's only supposed to, she'd only be a few years old, but he actually appears like an adult. So sure. I, know, I know I'm kind of getting ahead. But basically, um, when I see that, oh, Sakaar's trying to reach him, I immediately knew, oh, this has to be about Scar, who's son, Scar, son of Hulk. And so that ship shows up, they veer off the road, the blood gets transfused, and you have Bruce kind of putting her through some training origin story. I love the commentary that she's like, hey, I always deal with this level of rage. It, it, was, it was so clever, so smart, it's so, so easy to control. I don't yeah. have to turn into a, a, a mindless monster like you do and then learn to be, live with my rage. I've always had rage because I'm a well, woman in the society. Well, and that's I, when you start getting the commentary that is awesome throughout this series. Yeah, and, and I actually particularly love that. I mean, also, it's important to acknowledge that you know, what we've seen with different gamma reactions is they affect people differently. Um, if you go and read things like, there's been times that you have like Leonard Sampson, who's a character in the comics, who's a psychiatrist, who, and they talk about how gamma affects people. And it usually tends to stem from their subconscious. So Leonard Sampson was Jewish. So, you know, and, you know, and also at that time, one of the Hulk's power and strength. So he basically becomes a version of Sampson. He's, you know, he gets long hair and the hair's green, you know, yeah. um, and Dr. Samson was in the, the, he's in the MCU. He's in the Ed Norton Hulk. Yes, yes. Um, Sam Stearns, who's going to reappear as the leader in the comics, was a janitor 
and wasn't very smart and really wanted to be smart. So, I mean, they've changed that one a bit. And it seemed from the end of The Incredible Hulk that since it hit him in the brain, it affected his brain. But in the comics, it's usually there's more of a psychological reason why people end up um, having some kind of mutation that's a little different than that. You know, that's... But, but anyway, um, I mean, like, in Jen's case, you know, instead of being a very small woman who's maybe not as noticed, she becomes this strikingly beautiful gamma-powered mm-hmm. woman, you know, who's sure. super tall and everything. So uh, She's not the only powerful, beautiful woman that we see in this episode. Titania shows up at the very end. What's her, her story? I loved the Titania character, and she only got better as she got more and more obnoxious as an so, influencer. But she's t- not an influencer in the comics, is she? No, Titania in the comics first appeared in Secret Wars. Um, mm-hmm. Two characters that were created, um, a city, I think it was Denver, um, got transported in the original Secret Wars. Um, basically, the areas were transported to this planet that became a battle world between villains and, and heroes um, by a being called the Beyonder. And a couple of uh, civilians end up getting powers there. Uh, Titania and Volcania. So um, they basically first fight She-Hulk and Titania, you know, for the first time there. And Titania goes on to become pretty much like one of the biggest um, recurring She-Hulk opponents. Recent She-Hulk comic, they actually finally sort of buried the hatchet because She-Hulk was like, why are we fighting all the time? Titania's character's come a long way. She was a full-on villain. She ended up marrying the absorbing man. Um, and, uh, you know, she's, I don't know if I can quite call her anti-hero. She's trying to be better to not just yeah, be she's straight up villain. Part theme. of that new, uh, gamma radiation cleanup team that they yes. tried launching, spinning out of the immortal Hulk. Yeah. And, uh, I didn't read that book because by that point it was it okay. I mean, it had some of my book. favorite characters it's, on it's it. It's a good book. Same, same creative team. Um, it, it's good. It's worth reading. Okay, now the, the second episode, Superhuman Law, really starts to dig in on the law firm stuff because she loses her job as the original law firm because she's She-Hulk and creates a scene, thanks to Titania. And now in the second episode, she finds a new law firm that recruits her and says, hey, like we need a superhuman law division. And yeah. you're a lawyer and a superhuman. Uh, we got this Mo Blonsky case. I know that during the Ed Norton Hulk movie, uh, he tried to kill your... Uh, cousin which i love the line where bruce says i'm almost an entirely different person because joking about the ruffalo from ed norton casting change but uh the emil blonsky stuff that showed up we can obviously talk about emil blonsky actually but are her co-workers like nikki and pug are they from the shield yeah so um not pug uh mallory book and uh was it hollowell um mm-hmm. are all um so They've done She-Hulk as an attorney a number of times. And a few series ago, they introduced that particular law firm. Um, they did a bunch of stuff with that law firm, um, some extra dimensional stuff. But, you know, it's interesting because they're building this out. In the Marvel comics, you know, they've been around for so long. You've had this whole idea of every now and then, you know, you need an attorney. It was, often it was Matt Murdock. And then at a certain point, became Matt Murdock or Jennifer Walters. And it's interesting because, you know, it'd be like, all right, maybe it's civil, maybe it's criminal. They never really distinguish. It's like a, everyone can do everything, you know? Right, you know, sure. Foggy Nelson, who's Matt Murdock's partner, he's often, you know, one of the people. But it makes sense because, like, obviously the heroes are going to go to the, you know, the lawyer they know. And obviously one that's one of them works out well. So uh, interestingly, in the current S.H.I.E.L.D. book, which hasn't been on that going that long, she's actually working with Mallory Book again. But and and the whole thing is that she shouldn't have any superpowered clients because it's, it's a distraction and it always becomes disruptive. So they kind of go <laughs> yeah. the opposite way. They can't keep rebuilding courtrooms. Yeah. I think is what we're exactly. discovering in this. But series. you know, but that's the thing is her ability to generate money and everything else looks like you know because everybody knows her. So one of the interesting things about this show, and I, I thought it was really kind of cool. Like, oh, she's an Avenger. Well, she isn't an Avenger, but in the comics, she's been both an Avenger and a member of the, of the Fantastic Four for quite a while. She was an Avenger and actually in that, that secret wars that I mentioned before, everyone gets transported to this, this other place and they come back soon thereafter, but everything's changed. And as a comic, it, it basically in one month, um, the end of all the issues, they went and then the next issue, they all come back. But then the comic takes a year for the miniseries to play out and everything has changed and you end up seeing how it happened. And 
basically Ben Grimm, the thing stays on the battle world planet and she Hulk replaces him in the, in the fantastic four and goes on to be in the fantastic four for quite a while. John Byrne was the writer artist on that book. And he actually, eventually she leaves and he does her own book. So all the breaking the fourth wall and all that comes from John Byrne doing that with her. That's awesome. Um, and again, like almost a decade before Deadpool did it. Uh, yeah. So the, I was kind of sad that the in you know people online were accusing uh, She-Hulk of doing the Deadpool thing right. and just not educating sure. themselves well, as you to know. the actual origins of it. Right, and, and John Carter Mars was copying Attack of the Clowns, right? <laughs> wait, wait, somebody yeah. said that? Yeah, no. people that don't know, they watch John Carter Mars and they see the whole gladiator scene and they just assume it looks it's so much like Attack of the Clones, right? But they don't realize that it, you know, was, you know, what, 90 years before? Or and Dune you know? was ripping off A New Hope, I guess, if you're just going to keep right. going. Oh, that's, but, but, that's people terrible. Don't know. People don't know. Uh, the Emil Blonsky treatment here, like, obviously, like, we saw Emil Blonsky in the Ed Norton Hulk. This is, we, we saw him briefly in Shang-Chi, but here we actually get to know him as, like, a more mindful Emil Blonsky I think that Peter David really leaned into that on the Maestro series where yeah. it's like he's very like, hey, I, I actually don't love being the abomination. I have my entire brain intact when I transform. Uh, I will help you deal with uh, the Maestro, but um, I'm still pretty intelligent. Here we have like a new kind of Emil Blonsky when he's a you know, abomination. Well, I he's will say I was, I was surprised that they did the whole depowering thing. That's not something that the abomination typically does. Uh, allows himself like, to be depowered well that he can at will like, like the way that sure yeah and you know same thing in the comics like jen can go back and forth i love you know the hulk but you know not necessarily making it about being angry you know and usually you know it's not been the case with bruce and abomination that, that's a rare thing it's not usually that they can all do that so the abomination is just the abomination in the comics he never turns back yeah. to a meal he's yeah, trapped right. as that character yeah I liked it here. I thought it was fun. And I mean, obviously, if you have um, a star like Tim Roth, who's a phenomenal actor, exactly, uh, uh, you're going to want to see him. Well, it's and also money. He was great. It's uh, money. Come on. I mean, they made, they made the joke in it with She-Hulk about it being about the money. One thing that I also noticed was uh, so there was a lot of criticism about the CGI early on, especially in that first trailer. I think the CGI got... Like and there's still times where it's like, oh, they kind of move like a Sims character. But by the end of the season, I felt like the CGI had jumped by leaps and bounds. I think it got better. Listen, I think that when you're looking really closely at it, you kind of see it a little bit, but it's still pretty amazing. I mean, the, the face is fantastic, mm -hmm. you know, and moves and everything else. I mean, the fact that it's slightly off. I mean, you know, especially for, for a television show, you know, I, I think it, it, it's it's improved in leaps and bounds over the years. And I was able to suspend my disbelief. Yeah. Uh, the third season, things start... This is the one where I think the the fans who are, you know, they're, they're the angry nerds. Uh, this one kind of tore up for them. The Megan the Stallion episode uh, where she deals with the light elf stealing the artifact. Um, or actually faking that they are Megan the Stallion. You get it. And yeah. uh, uh, light elves, are they usually... Are light elves usually that... Like no, history? no. I mean, look, you know, and we'll get to, to this also with the with the wrecking crew. You know, they've done this really great job of they've built out aspects of Asgard, and particularly with you know Asgard now being on Earth. Um, sure. They've done some really cool creative stuff with that. You know, um, light elves. You know, they, they're from one of the realms. Um, no, not necessarily a trickster thing, but but it was fun and funny. You know, yeah, it, was and, and it makes sense that you would have some of that crossing over. You know, Agents of Shield did a bit of crossing over stuff as well. You know, with the you know, Asgard, he got stuck on the planet because it was before Asgard was there, and, and that makes sense. And I think it, it, it's realistic. Um, I like that we're seeing things like that. Sure, it's going to come up in court and things like that. You know, that's just real world ramifications of these things that are now part of the you know the Marvel, the MCU, Earth six one six world and life. Listen, it goes all the way back for me to um, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. pilot, where it's like, hey, suddenly you have different technology you know, existing on Earth, and that's going to affect things and affect people. And suddenly you have you know, these different organizations popping up and the, honestly different bad guys. 
And I think that they really dived into that a great deal in Homecoming with Vulture and Damage Control. You sure. know, so, you know, we, we get more and more of that. And again, I, and I dropped the line of damage control. We saw a bit more of damage controls per view in Ms. Marvel. And we see it here um, with the prison, right? Mm-hmm. And in the wrecking crew at the end of the episode, these four knuckleheads at the end of the episode with Asgardian weapons. You, yeah, they're, they have it's guardian equivalents of what the wrecking crew have. And the wrecking crew weapons are magical though in the comics as well though right yeah. but they're but they're ma- actually criminals they're big buff dudes who are the yeah. wrecking crew they're thor well, that, that, yeah and then, then then and they gain abilities from having the enchanted weapons it's not just the weapons so like they can fight back they're not at she elk's level you know in terms of strength sure. but they're but compared to humans they're probably like met 10 tons level which is significant you know sure. but she elk was stronger than that. here they're just kind of scumbags <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> with those guardian weapons well, and they and, get you know, tossed pretty easy you know and it's tricky um not to get ahead of it i really did enjoy the finale my but my criticism my problem with the finale is jumping off the way it did do you are you satisfied do you feel coming off everything with the wrecking crew and everything else that you got all the answers that you wanted or needed you know i mean the, the reset on the, okay, wait, no, let's not do this. So then what did happen? You know? Sure. Um, I mean, look, it definitely worked. The creep. You're talking about the fourth wall break where she resets the episode. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying, right. you know, so so we see the Rack and crew. They're trying to get her blood because Bruce said from the get-go, you know, we don't want her blood to get out there. You know, um, I personally felt that I really, really liked Bruce doing the analysis and calling out that, hey, most people, it would kill. It's radioactive blood. But there's that, that rarity, that one in a million that it would affect. And I actually kind of loved the, the kind of jokey thing that it actually affects her slightly better than it affects Bruce. Mm-hmm. So that like using qual- you know, qualities from getting the blood from her, he was able to fix his arm and it wasn't just fixing itself. Sure. Uh, we'll talk about that finale because I have questions about what Jen's fourth wall breaking powers give her when she starts to collaborate on a bigger scale with things like maybe the next Avengers movie or <laughs> et cetera, when she's on a bigger team. Powers I, is an interesting idea because the shield comic never really treated as power. She just broke the fourth wall sometimes, but now there's a character called Gwenpool in Marvel and it's straight up like it's a power. Her ability to break the fourth wall. Yeah. Is a power. And she does it. Yeah. And yeah. And she, it, and so this felt much more like what Gwenpool's done in recent years um my COVID messes me up but i think the gwenpool book was it a year ago or two years ago uh but basically that was a major aspect of the book literally like turning the page and like go go back over here and that kind of thing this intelligentsia group that is uh going after uh jen's blood is that from the comics it is and you know that that's an instance where they what I'll say, they very much MCU'd it in the sense of taking a name and then running within a way there's nothing like it, like a la Age of Ultron as a title of a movie, you know, where it's like nothing like what the Age of Ultron story was. The Intelligentsia exists, but basically the Intelligentsia is a gathering of some super smart Marvel villains altogether. Okay, um, so like the Illuminati. Yes, sort of like the Illuminati, and bi- actually show up big less in Shield, more in uh, like the Red Hulk book, and are at, at sure. that point, it's a big thing, and, and it's Modok and characters like that. So that's kind of fun, though. Uh, it's here, a lot of fun, and when it, when it popped up, so I, I was hoping, but you know, that's not what they I did. was hoping that at least uh, Samuel Stearns was in there, been great. the leader. Like, would have been great, and not that he's. Yeah, not. I mean, leader, I think, the thinker. Got, I mean, the, 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 sure. there, there some are some of the more Hulk-based villains yeah. be a part of it. But that again, then again, I think that the commentary they use with the intelligentsia, and I mean, they, it's actually very smart. Even calling themselves intelligentsia, and the fact that they're a bunch of fucking idiots, you know, I think they, the they think they're so smart and they're smarter than women, right? It got stronger and stronger. They saw it coming, and I think that the writing improved every episode, especially with that commentary. Because it became indefensible criticizing oh, this show. You yeah. could not criticize this show and not fall into the trap that the show is making fun of you for. Right. Um, the you idea had mentioned uh, to me that, that, it, it, that it had um, that reviews are actually lower than any of the Marvel series, and it's specifically oh, because of the Rotten of those Tomatoes. Comments. 
The Rotten Tomatoes is in the 30s. Which makes, audience. I mean, and obviously, what does that even mean? Because it's so good. I mean, I, I, well, it might not be your cup of tea, but you can't argue that it's not a good, well-put-together show. I think it's the best Disney Plus Marvel show. I think it hit on so many levels, yeah. the, from the humor to the writing to the action to the commentary. It was a to, movie. To I mean, set, it was fully awesome. setting up like Marvel movies and everything else, right? And and it, setting up Daredevil, the Daredevil no show, and you know, like like it actually paid off. And having Wong in it, you know, like it paid off so many things, right? It was awesome. Uh, the one thing that got me on episode four, the Magic Castle episode. Uh, obviously, we love a couple of the characters in that one. But, but was there a uh, character in that that we particularly loved? Well, I think everybody was saying the whole what's her uh, what's the name of the character Madison. that everybody Madison the whole Madison with a Y thing. I think people loved that. Uh, I thought it was great. Um, Two M's, Don- one Y, but not where you think. Donnie Blaze is so close to Johnny Blaze. Yeah, but no, no relation. Yeah. No relation. Uh, Such a, a weird episode. choice that. Uh, I'll skip it and go to episode five, uh, the Titania trademark one that really comments, I feel like, the lawsuit origin of the character. Yeah. The, the 1980s oh. lawsuit. You know, that was awesome. I love them calling out that it's, the episode's basically a frolic. Like they just go off, you know, like and now we're doing this wedding thing and all that. And she straight up says, like, like this, really? We're doing this in the middle? You know, like, that was yeah. so funny. We're going to do a wedding episode. That being said, uh, one, my, pretty much my biggest reservation with the finale was Josh Miller, the nice guy that she meets at the wedding who you find out ends up working for Intelligentsia and stealing her phone. Her blood. Um, her blood and she and he copies her phone. Yeah. Right. Uh, we never see him get his comeuppance on that one. That's true. He's not. He's not in the finale, and I, you know, and as much as we liked Josh, we liked the idea of Josh. We liked that whole montage sequence, and Heidi's the one who called it. She's like, "I don't trust this. This is too good." And mm-hmm. uh, as much as we, we love seeing a guy love Jen for Jen and fall for Jen as Jen, uh, Heidi never trusted it. I wanted to believe it was real. I was heartbroken it wasn't real and that he betrayed her. I wanted to see that fucker burn <laughs> and we didn't see it. And that's my one reservation with the episode. I agree. It doesn't mean Josh there's a call back down the line and we don't get it. Assuming there's a season two. I can't wait. I can't wait. And I love that they, they the reveal of Hulking, like the biggest uh, troll, the biggest incel was the, the leader of the intelligentsia as we know so far. The, that fucking creeper <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who invited yeah, her out to yeah but which, by the way was, was right. fully consistent right there was like it's like you didn't necessarily expect it to be in but it totally works at its head right sure um, um but okay. that's, that's another thing it well I, are we do we want to get fully into the finale or are we, no i think i want to talk about these goofball 70s and 80s characters from the mm-hmm. retreat episode right, right. because that was my favorite episode up to this point because I love the 70s, 80s derpy characters and you get four of them in this episode. You get the return of the Wrecker, which we already saw in the Wrecking Crew, but Manbull, El Aguila, Porcupine, and Saracen are the derpiest like 70s, and 80s, 90s I tell characters. you, really interesting choices. Like Saracen is like this vampire character, supposed to be like one of the most ancient vampires. So that, but he's also so, from a Punisher book. Wait, I thought. Uh, well, so Saracen, uh, you know, I'm just looking at his wiki, but the character made his first appearance in Punisher 22, I 1989. I thought was in Blade 1. The vamp- oh, the vampire version first yeah. appeared in Blade number 1. There's two versions of Saracen. There's the Punisher version that got killed off in a one-shot, and he's... Like just a criminal. No, no, the, uh, the vampire version is an ancient vampire, like the first. And that movie, is still recent, but that's not an old school blade. That's no, it's 1999 like a 99 blade. Yeah, yeah, and these are just derps. Yeah. Yes, you're talking about the member of the ancient. Yeah. <laughs> it's like shut up, <laughs> the nerdy characters uh, that really like get overlooked in the Marvel comics and are almost like comic embarrassments. Like well, if you, they show up in a comic, you know they're really the bottom of the barrel on the creative stuff unless they do something cool with them well, well get por- the porcupine out. surprised me because he was very different in the comics but still yeah, cool not- because the idea of like why the hell someone gonna i mean honestly i thought it was a clever because like yeah he's gonna 
freaking porcupine costume. Like that's his ridiculous. look is pretty similar though. Look was perfect, the, but just you know, personality wise, all that. But yeah, but but it's smart. It's clever, you know. Um, because he's Who more of he a he's you know like, like he's a, you know another one of those you know bad guy demolitions crew guy who gets a costume decides to go be a bad guy you know um, Rob Banks like that's about all he can do is yeah try to rob it's Banks. like that, that, and, and honestly that's sort of one of those typical things they did in, in, in so many comics you know so many Spider-Man villains are that right mm-hmm. Stilt Man being the best St- Stilt, Stilt Man's always the funniest one right. actually Spider-Man Daredevil villain do you have the, yeah like you know and, and Stilt Man was great for that you know you get Stilt Man but you have Shockers that same thing right mm-hmm but Shocker, I feel like, has gotten upgraded. Like he's at least been in the Sinister Six a couple times. Yeah, yeah, right. Like Porcupine's never going to be in the fucking Sinister Six. He's Porcupine. Right, <laughs> like, right. His powers are exactly. maybe shooting quills. El and, Aguila is he? A, he's a straight. Yes, well, El Aguila is a character that was actually introduced by Chris Claremont in uh, Power Man Iron Fist. He's a mutant. Okay, but he pretended he wasn't a mutant because he has this ability to generate electrical current. But he also happened to be tra- a trained swordman, so he tried to pretend that his ability came from the sword, but it didn't. He was a mutant. Uh, we skipped Mr. Immortal. Yes. And that is a character from the last episode, you know, whose wives are, are yes. suing him because th- he kills th- himself. That was an interesting life. take on that character. That, that character is a, a Great Lakes Avenger, which is this goofy... You know, for a while, there were different Avengers teams. But the Great Lakes Avengers were totally unaffiliated, and they were a bunch of screw-ups. Because of these mm-hmm. weird powers. And basically, Mr. Mortal's power is if he dies, he gets resurrected. But he doesn't have any other powers. You know? <laughs> he, he, just, he uses like a meat he gets, shield. He gets killed, you know? <laughs> so, but the idea that he was just basically this, I mean, polygamist, you know, bouncing around all that. I mean, honestly, I thought that was great. I think it was awesome. Very fun. How else are you going to yeah. use some of these characters? Like Manbull. Yeah. How else are you going to use Manbull? Yeah. You're just not. Uh, these are derpy characters. Yeah. Uh, I love that episode. I also love that you finally get Jen talking about Jen, and she's yeah. she's using Emil's circle to say, "Hey, like this sucks. I haven't found anybody to uh, accept me for who I am." And no one, you know, no quicker does she say that than we get episode eight, which is maybe my favorite episode. Rip it and rip it because you get one of my favorite Marvel characters of Lee all Frog. time. Yes. It's Leapfrog. I mean, I love Daredevil. Daredevil is my second favorite Marvel character, period, after Spider-Man. But Leapfrog's one of my favorites, and he's actually played a huge role in the recent Iron Man book. Uh, like, a huge role. Well, in the it, Iron that's Man Frogman, book. actually. It's Frogman, you're right. Yeah. Forget Leapfrog. Yeah. Leapfrog's a well, villain. Well, no, no, don't, don't forget, because here's the thing, because they kind of amalgamated They're it the a same bit. character, right. Well, well, Leapfrog was Frogman's father. Well, the big geeks gave everybody. <laughs> but Eugene is Frogman in okay. the comics, but in the yeah. show, Eugene is Leapfrog. So I and kept Leapfrog was a bad Eugene. guy, and Frogman, who starts off as basically like a teenager, like he starts off as a kid and totally screwing up, but is just has a good heart and really is looking to be a hero, which is how Eugene's re- introduced to us. Yes. So you, you really just feel like it's. Frog, the Frogman version. So Frogman is the one I've been reading about in Iron Man. That yeah. is Eugene. That, yeah. So I wasn't wrong. That's Eugene. But yeah. here they've taken Eugene's name and given it to what's more the like a son character. Yeah. Leapfrog. Well, honestly, and Leapfrog's a better name than Frogman. Sure. I think. Well, the lily pad and the secret like hideout and all this yeah. stuff. Yeah. All I that. died. This so this episode was incredible, it's and so I thought. Funny. Honestly, the episode was just going to be like, hey, let's reintroduce Daredevil. Let's have a bunch of jokes. Let's have a great action sequence along with it. Let's reintroduce some more damage control. And that was it. But the episode still had four minutes on it. And when they take take you to the, the gala and you see Jen get set up by Intelligentsia and her entire phone and life get put up on screen and blasted out and she does finally lose control, that was heartbreaking, and I had a visceral yeah. reaction to it. Yeah, it yeah. made me angry, and I loved the writing. It was brutal. So for this being the Matt Murdock episode, and as great as that walk of shame was, and all the Matt Murdock Daredevil stuff was. And I love her going like, hey, how can we have ended this yet? Shouldn't the show have ended right there on all that? Oh, we're setting up the finale. <laughs> that was great. Well, Leapfrog is out, and uh, you hear those sirens. Uh, no, the, en- the ending was beautiful. I thought the ending was great and gut-wrenching, and you just knew that with one episode left, it was time to start smashing things. 
you know. Um, anything you want to add to the Daredevil stuff? Because from the beginning, I, mean, I started so, thinking, so well, we could spend time on that. Daredevil you know? hasn't really hooked up too much with She-Hulk in the comics, has she? Not or has sexually. he? No, right, and here it, it was a relationship. It was a relationship I don't recall from the comics. Yet when it was on screen, it was palpable. I was yeah. like, "This is definitely no, going to happen." I bought it. It honestly, it, it makes a certain amount of sense um, with the legal stuff with where Jen's at in her life, um, and, and you know, and there. I mean, I saw some comments, like online comments, about like you know, like people were bothered. It's not my Daredevil, and I'm like, "Hook me up," and I'm like, again, like people like have you read Daredevil because Daredevil Matt very Rodarty much totally does that. He does it a lot. A lot, yes. Misty the Knight, only thing that Black saves Cat, Black Widow, Daredevil I bends think... everybody. The only thing that saves Daredevil from ending up with like every SCD known to man is he can smell these things coming. That's the only thing. Maybe. maybe. Oh, sorry about that, Ian. If that gave you like a mental. I mean, it was a little, little creepy, but yeah. Yeah, but let's face it. Like that, that power set that he has does come in handy beyond just yeah. hearing villains' heartbeats. Sure. You know? Sure. Uh, as Jim Pugnarelli says it in the chat on YouTube, Daredevil gets more ass than a toilet seat. I, you know, I think that's a little better than what I said, but not much. I think it depends um, on the toilet seat. <laughs> that being said, it did make, again, very apparent that a lot of these online fans don't know the damn comics because Daredevil gets around. And uh, it was awesome to see it was awesome to see Daredevil have to do the walk of shame, which you pointed out to me in an article was supposed to be the tag, but ended up in the episode. And I thought it was yeah. great. Yeah, I, I don't think you cool. want. I don't think you want to laugh after the ending that episode eight gave us. You want to be mad. No, you, no. You and by the way, no, I agree. And I like that even you know the calling out the walk of shame after you know, like it was like it was gut. You know, um, yeah. it, it worked. It worked much better as part of the episode. Okay, Ian. Episode nine, the ultimate wall break. And the introduction of Kevin. Well, but, but before, before we even get there, you know, like it's going, it's moving along, and I was I was enjoying it, and bringing Emil into it. I'm like, okay, this is all coming together in an interesting way. Where are they going to go with Emil? You know, um, what's happening here? And then, but it is feels very typical, and I just absolutely love that she's like, wait a minute, this is what we're doing. You know, like it's just what every Marvel thing does. Yeah, yeah, like you know, and again, it's like. Now she has to fight, you know, someone with basically her powers, you know, and the bad guy gets the powers, and now that's what's happening. Which is we have the big cameo. Remember, yeah. we all wanted Doctor Strange to show up at the end of WandaVision. Yeah, like that would have been Bruce showing up here. Like it, it made all of our criticisms for like, why didn't you do this? Like it just wiped them off the board and said, hey, you think you know what's going to happen? You think we're going to follow the formula that you, what you want to have happen? Uh, no, that was actually dumb. We're going to show you why it's dumb, right? But after it, I'm just, I'm not clear. Like, so what happened and what didn't happen? So Bruce and Scar still count because they show up later. But they just weren't in that They just weren't situation. in that scene. Right. right. And, and I knew, I kind of knew it was coming because it was the same barn from the Circle episode. She enters it. Right. And I'm like, wait a minute. Marvel's not so cheap that they're reusing a set, pretending that we don't recognize it from two episodes ago. That is the Circle set. And they're, you know, that's when Pug goes in as a kind of undercover. Right. And and I'm like, wait, but, the intelligentsia room is the same thing as the retreat room. I Marvel's not going to do that. So I kind of saw that coming. But I thought it was hilarious, though, if you caught it, was Josh calling uh, Pug kind of hot. <laughs> Did you hear catch that one? Yeah, he's like, yeah. that's my man, Pug, man. I love this guy. And he's kind of hot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um this, she breaks the fourth wall. She busts out of our Disney Plus. She rips into uh, one of the Avengers movies, or the uh, Avengers Decoded, or Marvel Decoded. Yeah, and yeah. Goes into the writers' nice. room, demands to meet with this Kevin. We think it's Kevin Feige. It turns out to be this robot thing, which I love. I think well, that every, it's, Mar- it's, it's Mar- every Marvel idea. Pres- it's every Marvel idea. presentation going forward has to be hosted by Kevin, not Kevin. No, but here's the thing. It's an interesting meta idea that, that comes out of this because I don't know how well this could have worked years ago. I feel like the general public is much more aware of the behind the scenes of movie making. Like, so my, my stepson hasn't seen it yet. He's not going to understand it. I'm going to have to explain it to him. He's not going to understand the whole idea of Kevin Feige runs Marvel and all that stuff. So, and, that, and that's the question. Is that, is, that, is that too meta? I'm not sure. But... I do think 
general audiences understand this stuff better than used to be the case. And they busted it back to the procedural element. Like ultimately she defeated quote unquote, defeated Kevin by saying, Hey, like let's line out the facts. This is still a procedural, a lawyer Mm -hmm. procedural, and I'm going to trick you at your own game. Like, let me put the evidence in front of you and bust it out. And Kevin had no choice, but to let her reset the episode and scrap it along the way. And we missed this one on the daredevil talk from uh, the last episode there was the stinger when Daryl showed up from the Netflix series, a little bit of the music cue from the daredevil song. Mm -hmm. And here you get the shout out to the X-Men. You get so many shout outs in this discussion with Kevin. It is the most meta this episode gets. It's the most meta thing we've seen since, I don't know. Did you watch the rescue Rangers movie? That's pretty meta, but it's that level of meta. Um, I loved it. And it was a good way to kind of nicely, Put back the episode. You got your Daredevil cameo. You actually got more Matt Murdock at the barbecue, which reminds me of the Fast and Furious barbecues. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also got Scar, Hulk's yes. son, which didn't totally look like the Scar from the comics, but we'll see where they go when. Look thin off. Was good for me. I heard that the CBS Universal contract runs out in the next. I year. hear that too. In the next year, exactly. So, and then you can ultimately get a World War Hulk movie. And, and it makes sense that you know they haven't told us the name or any of it yet because they're waiting for it to run out. Listen, is that it, the mysterious new film that might be in Phase Five or Six? That's what I expect. I mean, the fact that they're straight up saying it and calling it out that way was great. You wait for the movie, all this stuff. I mean, it doesn't make sense to me that now they're going to put Scar in someone else's movie. You know, it could happen, sure. But... We don't know who he is. Yeah. Uh, so, do you think world? You think World War? What What I'm saying is, there's a lot of world events happening in Phase Five and Six. Right. We have yet to see some X characters show well, up. Well, wait a second. But here's the thing: is and then the question becomes a Hulk movie that we've got this here when so. We may as well mention this. This morning, it was officially announced that Harrison Ford is playing Thunderbolt Ross. And apparently, they, they announced it initially for Captain America, but New World Order, but also for Thunderbolts, right. and which begs the question, is he going to be the Red Hulk? Now, people are assuming, oh, Red Hulk, because Thunderbolt Ross doesn't show up in the Thunderbolts comic until he's the Red Hulk. Doesn't mean he needs to be. He could just be leading it you know, from the sidelines at the same time, you want to see that. I mean, to me, I think it'd be really cool. You get to a Hulk movie, you know, you throw abomination in, I mean, in in the comics, it was a bomb who was the second abomination who was Rick Jones, but you know, we haven't done that yet. You know, I mean, I want, I want the Betty red she Hulk, you know, there's been speculation that that might be coming, you know, Um, you know, and obviously Jen as, as Hulk, as she Hulk and, you know, there's also the Lyra version of She-Hulk that it's probably not happening because that's getting into a whole other alternate, you know, timeline that Hulk had a, a child and she ended up in the in the six one six. But if the leader is involved in New World Order, the Captain America movie with Sam Wilson, uh, that could lead to maybe a World War Hulk situation with you got all these Hulk running around. Listen, and by the way, it, 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 it with the leader being involved in Thunderbolt Ross, maybe that's where he becomes Red Hulk. Right. Uh, and now you've got Abomination. You've got a bunch of Hulks running around. Uh, World War Hulk movie does actually seem kind of likely for Phase 6. I don't know about Phase 5, looking a little crowded. But, but by the way, and, and this is fully no one has said this, but you have the leader and Thunderbolt Ross in Captain America New World Order. We've seen a version of Scar and Bruce in She-Hulk. Hmm. Where might they show up next? Right. You think they're going to show up in New World Order? I mean, makes sense to me. Sure, sure. Does it really make sense that we're getting a leader, leader as a bad guy in a movie and the Hulk's not in it? I When I saw that announcement in his return in New World Order at D23, I thought, well, there's got to be some Hulk in it, right? Like, I get it. There's got to be some Hulk in it. Um, and Ultimately, like, does that negate a She-Hulk season two? All no, this World War Hulk not at does all. World, does She-Hulk season two come after a World War Hulk movie? If it, I'm it, guessing, it could, but I mean, it, it might not. Listen, I mean, I do think, with the probable exception of Loki, this show, 
the beauty of the way this ends is you don't need a season two, but it's easily a season two. It's a great legal procedural thing. It's fun and so easy to do and nothing negates it. I mean, mm-hmm. she can show up in a movie or not. It doesn't negate it at all because this is just her regular life showing up in a movie is because she's needed. Listen, but at the end of this, she kind of, she says, all right, she's going to do both. Right. She's accepted that. No, she's a superhero and she's can still be a lawyer. Right. Uh, Jim Pagernali wants to ask while we're on the subject of the Hulk. He's over on YouTube. He says, what do you think the odds are that we might eventually get a Joe Fixit Gray Hulk who's also a Soprano-style mobster? Unlikely. Yeah. Yeah. I like that version of the Hulk. But uh, I, I, I love that version. I love that book. It doesn't feel... It, that's so far removed from where they are now. Mm-hmm. A it, it, it could happen. I mean, is it a movie? Is it a TV series? What is it? What what's the point of it? That we're already doing Scar, you know. Right. Um, the Joe Fix It doesn't really go with any of the Scar stuff. Could we in the Battle Worlds maybe we'll see a little Battle Worlds and um, we in could Cedar definitely Wars. get that in a different universe easily. We could also get Maestro. Absolutely, we could get a bunch of fun stuff. L- listen, um, do, doing the future imperfect, doing that story, I'd love that. That's a great Hulk movie. To get him transported to the future and have to fight the maestro, hmm. you know, Good and then you, could, you, you could easily pull in maestro after, you know, on his own, right. which they've done. But you know, um, I mean, I I love that. I'd love to see that. And that, that, that's a great Hulk movie. Yeah, well, you know, and see, we'll, see, seeing Rick Jones, seeing all the remaining not getting your Marvel characters. Mm-hmm. You're not getting a Rick Jones. Marvel has not introduced Rick Jones in any of the obvious places. All the obvious places they could reintroduce Rick Jones and should have reintroduced maybe Rick Jones. The thing Jones. is, You're not by, getting the way, by the way, you know, in the MCU, we've never actually seen the Hulk origin. Mm-hmm. You know, right. they've referenced uh, it. They could yeah, they easily, reference it in the Ed they Norton version, easily, don't they? Yeah, yeah, but they, they can easily, they reference it, but we don't see yeah. it. They can easily backstory Rick Jones in and that he's always been around. Right. It's easy. But but being straight up out of the comics. Would you be interested in playing Rick Jones? I'm too old. Okay. Um, Who's the guy from like uh, high school musical? Zach Efron as Rick Jones. I don't buy him as as Rick Jones. (laughs) Do you really? He's got the music down. He's ready to go uh, play his guitar out on a nuclear test site. Why not? <laughs> you know, Rick Jones, Rick Jones is the ultimate. He literally writes a book, Sidekick. You know, he's yeah. a sidekick. And for me, I feel like Rick Jones should be smaller. Okay. Okay. You know? Um, and, ha- and have sort, sort of an everyman quality. Okay. I got you. Um, Derek Cranavelt of the Geekscape Network is playing Rick Jones, I think. He was here this weekend. Did you hang out with any of the geeks gave us at the wedding? You say hi to any of them? I know. Uh, I say hi to a few. I know Big Yanks tracked you down as you were trying to leave. And yeah, well, forced, we, forced you to take a selfie. He didn't for, have to force me. I think. I think. <laughs> honestly, I think my wife offered it. Geeks gave us. Ian was a big celebrity at the wedding this weekend, um, and you know what? He has y'all to think, and uh, Ian's extensive comic book knowledge as well. Uh, you've made quite a name for yourself here, my friend. Uh, you, you've, to... made, you've made quite a name for me. <laughs> well, uh, well, yes, you're awesome. Uh, taking it back to Jen Walters, where do you think we might see her again? Maybe that Captain America movie? I think that's unlikely. There's definitely some speculation out there about her showing up in Daredevil. I think that's unlikely. Really? Even though they have their own thing going on now? Um, you know, it's interesting, right? Because there's a question. The fact that he's actually at a meal with her you know, with her family, I think was definitely a statement that this is more than just a little fling. But I, they, they come out and say that he's visiting, he's going back to New York. Sure. And I kind of feel like I mean, there's, there's certainly a way to do it, but She-Hulk in that story sort of makes it a very different story. Yes. The Kingpin's not going to be throwing Matt around with She-Hulk no. there. No, no. Yeah. So, <laughs> That's just not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bullseye is not exactly going to be hitting Matt with anything without she with She Hulk standing in the way. You're no, right. It's, it's a very and, and you and, don't get a Karen Page story with She Hulk in the way and, either. And that story, I mean, I'm assuming from the title again, Marvel likes to borrow titles, but if they're going to completely have Kingpin found find out his identity and destroy his life, 
you know, my assumption is going to be, well, it's, listen, that show's not even coming out for what, you know, for a while. We're supposed to see him in other things before that. You know, we'll see. Supposedly he's going to run through a bunch of different shows before we ever get to that show. Um, my assumptions that, you know, whatever, they're going to hit fizzle. They're not together anymore, whatever, you know? Sure. Maybe there'll be a reference to it somewhere before then. Or they're just friends and the hookup is the hookup. Yeah. It's an adult relationship. Sorry, nerds on the internet. Adults are allowed to have those relationships. Yeah. They don't have to just get married and be boyfriend, girlfriend. They can have just those casual relationships. But then if they stop being casual, you end up with one of these on your fingers. What do you think of that? That, that, that can out. happen. So, sometimes yeah. you stop being casual and you don't end up with one of those on your finger. You <laughs> so uh, next time we see Jen, in her own series or? I think more likely her own series. I'm hoping they announce a season two and I hope it's soon. You know, one of the issues is it does seem to take them a while. I mean, as we said, when Loki ended. You know, um, we want more Loki. And honestly, I think one of the ways they drop the ball in the biggest way in phase four is we've not seen any ramifications yet of the end of the season of Loki. Sure. Sure. And the, the appearance of Kang. Mm-hmm. Well, and we know we get it in Quantumania, but yes. I feel like, you know, I mean, we, we haven't seen it. Isn't that just in January, February, though, brother? Yeah, but it's it, how long has it been since Loki ended? Listen, you need to be patient, okay? I don't Loki need ended to be in May. I can right? be patient. Was it <laughs> so May? Have, is that all? It seems like it's yes. longer than that. I think Loki ended in like April or May. Is it because we have had like twelve shows since then? We've had a ton of stuff since then. Um, but I have good news for you, and maybe for the Geekscapers as well. Uh, I have a. Another Geekscape that we're going to do this week. Heidi and I are going to sit there uh, and do. A, we're going to do a Geekscape live with you. Heidi's going to sit next to me, and so subscribe to this if you haven't yet, and uh, keep your eyes on this channel if you haven't yet. But uh, as Dr. Merkin says, tell <laughs> that Dr. Merkin, uh, congratulations on the, congratulations on the wedding and respect the dedication of working so soon after. Oh my God, I, I handed in an edit yesterday on two days after my wedding and i go off to a film festival to show a movie again to, uh, in two days so i i love working i'm like a meth addict without the meth i'm just constantly crazy and moving um tomorrow heidi and i are going to do a geekscape right here maybe talking about the wedding talking about whatever uh, i'll let her run things she's running things now uh and then ian you and i i land from the film fest on tuesday of next week i'm going to go immediately with my friend jason inman who's now your friend to go see Black Adam so that you and I can sit down and do a Black Adam special. Would you be down for doing that next week? Yeah, I don't know yeah. what to expect from that movie. I have no idea what to expect from that movie. My expectations are modest. Um, I'm hoping to really enjoy it. I'm actually excited for the JSA. Um, I am too. You know, I think it's been spoiled everywhere what the uh, tag is because they're trying to get yes. people in, in the theaters. I think it's sad that even with that out there, the projections aren't any higher the projections are having it around 60 million which for me i think is sad but not unexpected because unfortunately black adam is not a character that's known to general audiences and just because the rock's saying oh he's a big deal doesn't make him a big deal right he should have probably been a shazam tag yeah tag he should have been in shazam at one point there's talk of doing mos2 and him being in it but introduce him in the, in the bigger movie and then fine, go and run and do a solo movie. That's what you want to do. Um, yeah, as uh, our good friend, Rolf Oppel says, follow my casino skunk productions over on YouTube and on Instagram. He said, uh, I have no idea what black Adam will be like. I love Shazam and I hope they don't just gloss over or make fun of the Shazam film, especially not with Shazam two coming. They're not going to make fun of it. It's just, they're just going to acknowledge it in the way of that. All right. There was a champion before. You know, and that's what it is. But that's why it belongs as part of the same franchise. Okay. So we have that coming up next week. Black Adam. We've also got a Black Panther movie back in the MCU uh, soon after. When's the next Disney Plus MCU show? Um, We have Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Um, I don't know what the next one would be. I mean, I would think it might have been, might be Loki. It's been in production. Uh, Could be Loki. um, You know, there, Ironheart, I think, is coming soon. That she gets sure. introduced in Black Panther. 
Um, okay. They pulled Armor of... Wars off the schedule to turn it into a film. Where Armor Wars is becoming a movie. Um, Echo, you know, I'm right. not sure what Echo. I'm Echo's not sure what's filming. happening with that. Yeah, that's been filming. Okay, I'm not sure what's happening so with that. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna go ahead and say we're not gonna get another Disney Plus MCU show until early 23. That's probably right. But right? Ian Ralph is also reminding us. I think Ironheart might be next. But we'll that see. we are getting a Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. That's true. We're getting that's true. We're getting that. I hear good things about that. Is that like an hour long thing? Like yeah, uh, it's a Werewolf by Night. Mm-hmm. In Geekscape, you can literally hear Ian and I talking Werewolf by Night, like one or two episodes back on the feed. Okay, let's do this. Um, <laughs> big geeks. Black Adam is to Shazam what Scorpion King is to the Mummy. Yeah, that's they have right. the same. Or- they have the same origins. So why right. not? Um, okay, Ian, thank you so much for joining us on the She-Hulk Attorney at Law Season 1 special. Let's do it again for Season 2. All right. Let's do Game it again on. next week for Black Adam, baby. All right. And then, and then a couple weeks after that for Black Panther. We got a lot coming down the pipe. It's almost like I didn't stop in the middle of it and get married. Y'all just keep demanding Geekscape. I love it. The numbers are good. I am very happy with all of y'all. Keep sharing. Keep leaving five-star reviews on your podcatchers. Keep telling your friends about Geekscape. Not just me, but the other 30 or so shows on the network. Search for Geekscape. Share with your friends. Uh, Stop Ian for a selfie if you see him on the streets. Big Yank style. And uh, we'll catch y'all I think in a day or two here on the Geekscape feed with my new wife, Heidi Cox. Uh, thanks for joining us for this one. Bye, everybody. Bye. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.